Thanks for checking out the weekly sermon from Church of the Resurrection. We pray that God will use this message to speak to you and help you grow in your faith journey. We'd like to invite you to join us next week at one of our services, whether in live worship online at core.org live or in person at one of our locations in the Kansas City area. Church of the Resurrection is one church in multiple locations. To learn more about our service times and ministries, please visit core.org. We hope you enjoy this message. Today, we're gonna to talk about the church, the church with a capital C. That is the body of Christ, churches and Christians everywhere who are gathered together as the body of Christ. And then we're gonna to focus together on asking, what does it mean to be the church? Then we're gonna to turn to find out what is the purpose of Church of the Resurrection, this specific church. And we're gonna to look to see what is our vision and what is God calling us to be and to do by the year 2030. I hope that you'll be inspired. I hope by the time you, the sermon ends, you go, you know what? I'm proud to be a part of a church and I wanna be more engaged and more a part of this particular congregation, or if you worship somewhere else, the congregation that you're a part of there. Now, according to a recent American Enterprise Institute study in partnership with the University of Chicago, they found that 22% of Americans are less involved in church after COVID than they were before COVID. I mean, that's about one quarter of all people who are involved in church less involved now than they were before. There's many people who are wondering, why do I need a church? Why is the church really important? And, and of course, the group that we find most likely to be leaving the church in the last few years are people who are under 30. And so they'd already been in decline in church attendance, although we have about 40% of people who attend church, uh, of young adults who uh, are reporting say, I attend church almost every week. So there's still a lot of young adults who are actively involved in church, but there's 60% who are not involved that much. And what we've seen is that 40% has declined since COVID. All right, so when we think about this, we also recognize in another study that came out by Gallup released in December, 58% of Americans seldom or never go to church, maybe Christmas and Easter, and that's it, 58%. The Pew Center reported in December of 2021 that while 63% of Americans claim to be Christians, a third of those never go to church. And so at least for some people, the church has become less important. Maybe they've forgotten why it matters, which is why this sermon is important. I want you to understand why does the church matter? What was Jesus' picture of the church? And then what is God calling us to be and to do as a congregation? All right, in 2017, there was a study that was conducted and 66% of youth and young adults, they found, stopped going to church when they went to college. That's not new. Many of you went away to college, you stopped going to church as well. When they tried to dig down into that, they found four reasons why they stopped going. The first one, or actually probably, yeah, it was the most important, I think, was I moved away to college, I stopped attending because my parents weren't there to make me go to church anymore. Or maybe I was just, you know, kind of got lazy about it. But, but so we find that there's a group of folks who stop going to church when they go to college. And, uh, and we found the second reason why young adults had dropped out of church was they said church members seem hypocritical. And that's really important for us to recognize that what young adults value and everybody values is authenticity, that we're actually trying to live what we say we believe. Here's the third is I don't feel connected with the people in my church. 
And, and since COVID, this is one of the things that's really happened is when we are no longer, you know, if we had been connected and we're no longer connected, we're not involved in an online Bible study or we're not involved, you know, in person in worship, we find we get disconnected from the people. We feel we drift. We feel uh, a bit far from them and far from, maybe even far from God. And then the last one was, I disagreed with my church on social issues. And most often when young adults are saying this, they're saying, I disagree with my church specifically around, or most often around gender, race, and same-sex marriage, where young adults are much more inclusive than many churches are in this country. So in today's sermon, I want us to think together about the purpose and power of the church and to understand why the church really matters. And then I want us to think together about God's vision for resurrection in the years ahead. Let's talk about the purpose of the church. So uh, Jesus invented the church. He didn't invent the idea of ecclesia, but he said, you know, I have a church. I, I, I need a church. This is important to me. And so we find Jesus uh, teaching that church matters, that his community matters. And when we think about the church, sometimes we, we talk about church as a building. You've heard that. I'm going to go to church. There's my church. We point to the building. And that's understandable. But if we really look at the New Testament's picture of the church, it's not a building. Around here, when we started the church, I had a sign on a little poster board or a little, uh, uh, you know, thumbtack board. And it said, uh, it said this, when the building burns down and the preacher leaves town, what you have left is the church. I really like that. It just reminded me the church isn't the pastor. It's not the, not the staff. It's not the other pastors. It's not a building. It's the people. That's what the church is. So the Greek word for church used over a hundred times in the New Testament is ekklesia. Ekklesia, ek means out, Kaleo for, for ecclesia is, is called. And so uh, an ecclesia, and it was used long before the New Testament, it was a secular term. It was calling people out to a special meeting, to a special gathering, a community in which some important purpose would be worked out. So in the Greek culture, people would be called in the cities, they'd be called out to, to vote on something important or to hear a special report. And as they gathered, they were the ecclesia. But along comes the New Testament. And in the New Testament, we find Jesus refers to the, the church, his people gathered together as the ecclesia. So when we look at this, and in a moment, we'll take a look at a couple of scriptures related to it. What we find is that the church, Jesus' ecclesia, was not our idea. It wasn't a pastor's idea. It wasn't the disciples' idea. It was Jesus' idea. He said it was important. So sometimes we say, well, you know, I, I love Jesus and I want to follow him, but I really don't like the church. I don't need to be a part of a church. But Jesus says, well, hold on a minute. The church really matters to me. It was his church. It is his church. And he was the one who had the idea for this and described how important it was. I've talked to people who say, you know, I, I just read my Bible and I, and I you know, pray and, I, and me and Jesus have a close relationship. And, but wait a minute, the Bible was written to churches. It was written by churches, for churches, to churches. And so even when you're reading the Bible, it was meant to be read in community with other people, that we need other people. Christianity is not one of those solo sports. It's meant to be played or lived with a community of people. The, the writer to the book of, uh, the writer to the Hebrews in the New Testament uh, says in chapter 10, do not stop meeting together as is the custom of some. And even more so you need to meet together as the day of Christ is drawing near. I mean, this is an important thing throughout the New Testament is the idea of community. We bear one another's burdens. We encourage one another. We lift one another up. We bless one another. Jesus is constantly talking about the one another as we serve one another. We, you know, all of these things are done in community. I spoke to a flight, flight attendant on an airplane one day. And as we were talking, uh, she didn't know I was a pastor. I didn't have a name tag on or anything else. We just got to talking and, and, uh, and somewhere along the way, church came up and I said, are you involved in a church? And she said, you know, I used to be really involved when I was younger, but then I moved to a new city and I never found a church or a pastor quite like the church and pastor I had in my old city. And so I, I have not gotten involved in a church again. I'm kind of disconnected. I've been thinking about this because I have kids and I really want them to be raised in the church, but I just haven't done anything about it. And, 
And, and as we were talking, I said, well, you know, let me just tell you why the church really matters to me. And I said, don't try to find your old pastor because your old pastor's back there. There's not another one exactly like your pastor here. And don't try to find a church that's exactly like the one you were at before, but instead recognize that there are certain things that you need and another community and another pastor might meet those needs just as well if you give them a chance. But I said, for me personally, here's what I find. I said, I really need the church. I, I need to be with other Christians. I need to be with them. They encourage me and they bless me and they challenge me and they, and they help me when I'm struggling. I said, I, I need that. I need to be singing with other people. And I find I don't sing if I'm by myself, but if, if I'm with other people, when I sing in the middle of my praise, I feel like I sense God's presence. And the scripture says, God inhabits or dwells among the praises of his people. I, I find that I need a meaningful message every week to be able to, to, to sort of reset my life and recenter myself on true north. And, and hearing someone else preach that message is really helpful to me. I, I need to be a part of serving with other people. And, and so together we go out and we serve in the world. I need Holy Communion together. I need to know that there's somebody I can call when I'm really sick or down or in the hospital. I said, I need all of those things. I need the church and it helps me. And it helps me be a better dad and it helps me be a better husband and it helps me be a, a better human being when I'm engaged in the church. And you know, we were finished with the conversation. She said, you know, I've been thinking about this for a while. I think I need the church too. In Matthew 16, Jesus asked Peter a question. He says, who do you say that I am? To which Peter, Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus said to him, I tell you, you are Peter, and his name means rock. Peter means rock, Petra. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I want you to notice a couple of things here. Jesus intended that there be a church, right? On this rock, I will build my church. So the church is it's called forth by Jesus. He calls people into it. He, he, he intended that there be a church. It was not you know, something extraneous or not really important. It was essential to what Christ was doing. On this rock, I will build my church, my ecclesia. And, and so I want you to notice that it is not only something Jesus is going to build, it is something that he claims as his own. The church belongs to him. It doesn't belong, in this case, it doesn't belong to the bishop. It doesn't belong to an annual conference. It doesn't belong to the church trustees or the leadership of the church council. And it certainly doesn't belong to the senior pastor. The church belongs to Jesus. And when we understand that, then we understand our task is to figure out what does Jesus want to do with us as a congregation and as individuals. And that's true for every church. The church belongs to Jesus, not, it doesn't even belong to the people. It belongs to Christ and we are his servants. Now, I want you to also notice this. Uh, the word church actually is a transliteration, transliteration of another Greek word, kuriakos. And kuriakos means belonging to the Lord. So once more, Jesus calls it my church and kuriakos, from which we have the word church, kind of melded into church is a way of saying this belongs to God. Kuriakos was whatever belongs to God and the church belongs to God or belongs to the Lord. I also want you to note that Jesus said this, the gates, so this is my church that I'm building and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And this is a really powerful word. Hades was the underworld. Hades was associated with darkness, with death. It was associated with despair, with brokenness, with pain. Uh, it, you know, it was associated with all of those things. Now, it just literally was, you know, where you went when you died. And then in Hades, there was a good compartment and a bad compartment. The good people went to the good compartment. This is how it was thought of in the Greek terms at the time. But Jesus knows, and this is emblematic of this realm of darkness and of pain and brokenness and lostness. And Jesus says, the gates to the underworld are not strong enough to withstand the onslaught of my people when they're gathered together working for my purposes. So when we're going out to try to bring healing to people who are, in, you know, who are broken, when we're going out to try to bring hope to people who are in despair, when we're going out to announce the good news of the kingdom of God, in all of those ways, hell cannot stop it when the church, when people, God's people are working together, not by themselves, 
It's a different world when you're going out trying to fight darkness and evil and all those other things all by yourself than when you are working together with other people. That's what it means to be the church. Paul says it this way, you are the body of Christ. That is, you are the physical presence of Jesus in the world. He said to his disciples before he went to heaven, now listen, you know all the stuff I've been teaching you, now you go out and do that, right? And so we continue Jesus' work. We incarnate, we are enfleshing, putting flesh on Jesus for the world today. The prophet Ezekiel once, uh, once expressed God's frustration with the church of that day. The church then was the synagogue. Well, it wasn't even the synagogue. It was just God's people gathered together and, and built around the temple practices. And, and, and God was frustrated with the shepherds, that is the pastors, the leaders, the shepherds of Israel. And, and this is what he says. The Lord God proclaims, I myself will search for my flock and seek them out. You see, the religious leaders were only focused on themselves and their congregations. They weren't looking at the people outside to see who was broken or lost or despair in despair. He says, I myself will search for my flock and seek them out as a shepherd seeks out the flock when some in the flock have been scattered. So I will seek out my flock. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered during the time of clouds and thick darkness. I will seek out the lost, bring back the strays, bind up the wounded, strengthen the weak. I mean, here we're finding what God wants his people to do. And what we find in, in the gospels is that Jesus seems to have been highly shaped by this passage of scripture. And we see that in Matthew 9, 35 through 37. It sort of summarizes Jesus' ministry. Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You hear Ezekiel in that, right? Where he said, where God says, I will be the shepherd to my people. I will find the strays and the lost. This is what drove Jesus. He was driven by this mission of finding the hurting people, the lost people, the broken people, the people walking in darkness. And he wanted to reach them and bring them back to God. And so if that's Jesus' mission, it has to be our mission. It has to be what we're striving to do is these same things. In Luke 19.10, near the end of Jesus' ministry, he summarizes his, his ministry and why he came in a passage that I've encouraged you to memorize. And he says this, the son of man, Jesus says this, the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Now, if we are the body of Christ, if we are the church, we are his church and we're to incarnate his work in the world, then we have to be in the same you know, sense of vision that we are seeking and saving the lost. We're going to find the people who are broken. We're announcing the good news of the kingdom. We're, we're helping people who are walking in darkness, see a great light. I mean, all, these are all things that the church is meant to do. It's not meant to navel gaze and be turned inward, but it's meant to be turned outward to go out and see the people that Jesus cares deeply about, the 58% of the population who no longer goes to church and the, you know, the, the, the percentage of people who say, I don't even know if I believe in God anymore. And to say, well, let's, let's show them love. Let's be instruments of healing. Let's draw people back to Christ. That's what drove us in 1990 when we started this church is we wanted to be that kind of church. Our, our purpose statement, which is basically our mission is this, and I want you to read it with me. You'll see it on the walls of every one of our locations all across Kansas City. Let's read it together. Our purpose is to build a Christian community where non-religious and nominally religious people are becoming deeply committed Christians. If you're an actively, an active part of our congregation, especially if you're in leadership in any way, I hope you have that memorized. And I hope you know this is what drives Church of the Resurrection. We are driven to build a Christian community, an ecclesia, where non-religious and nominally religious people, the lost, the people who've, who've kind of wandered away for whatever reason, been turned off by Christians and churches in the past, where non-religious and nominally religious people, along with all the rest of us, are becoming deeply committed Christians. We are growing in our faith. We're seeking to live out our faith. We're walking, you know, we're seeking to live courageously and boldly in a life filled with sacrificial love 
to, to be healers in this world today. All right, so for the last 32 years, resurrection is sought to be an ecclesia, a community of people doing these things, what Jesus had done. And, you know, we started with four people in 1990, and today there's, on a given weekend, about 30,000 people who worship with us on TV, online, in person. I mean, it's been dramatic. We, we've seen things happen here at Resurrection that have never happened in a United Methodist Church or a Methodist Church in the history of our denomination. And that's been really exciting. God has used us. And, and, and in, in, as a result of that, we've seen all of these blessings come. And we remember that Jesus said to him, much is given, much more is expected. And so, you know, all those blessings, all this opportunity we have, all these people, all of you, like God wants to do something with us, right? It's not just pat ourselves on the back because we have all these people. Like we're meant to be changed and then we're meant to go out and change the world. Last Sunday, we had our latest coffee with the pastors. And I'll tell you, what still drives us is reaching out to people who don't go to church or, you know, lost their way or who are just broken and to say, let's just come on. We want to be a church for you. And so last Sunday was our most recent coffee with the pastors. And I just wanted you to have a sense of what happened. So we had 288 people who joined the church last Sunday alone. And, and those 288 people, about two thirds of them were non-religious or nominally religious people. I had the joy of, of you know, seeing one person that I've really been excited to get to know and see her getting to church, you know, coming to church. And, and it had been a long, long time since she'd been actively involved in a church. And that was true for so many of the people at Coffee with the Pastors. We had a coffee at Leewood uh, at this location where I'm preaching from uh, with a large group of people. You'll see lots of tables and chairs there and, and all of those folks ended up joining. And then, and then Resurrection West and Resurrection um, uh, Downtown Resurrection Blue Springs and Resurrection Overland Park and Resurrection Brookside, our newest location. And then we had 25 people who joined online, which was really cool. I had a chance to talk with them for a few minutes on a Zoom call and, and people from across the country. There was a family from Michigan, or not Michigan, a family from Massachusetts. I think there was one from Michigan too, but Massachusetts and another one from California and Texas and you know, all over the place, these people who were saying, I wanna make this my church family. And together we confess our faith in Christ and the Apostles' Creed and, and, and made certain pledges and promises as uh, members of this congregation. It was very, very exciting. And, and then coming out of there, uh, we, uh, and by the way, you may have seen a picture of a smaller group. They were at Kingswood Manor, one of our retirement centers in Kansas City. And, and so Pastor Wendy went to Kingswood Manor and welcomed them into uh, the congregation. I want you to know in a few weeks, we've got 200 eighth graders who are getting ready to profess their faith in Christ and to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I mean, think about that. Almost 500 people in one month or about a month and a half who are professing their faith in Christ. I mean, how cool is that? And so I had the joy of, uh, as I, you know, as I sit at coffee with the pastors and other meetings, I almost always ask this question to people, you know, if I'm sitting at a table, I just say, so why are you here? What is it that, you know, what is it that blesses you about this church? What is it that, that, that makes you proud? What is it you tell other people about this congregation? And I don't want you to tell me about a staff person or any other human who's a leader. I want you to tell me what about the character of this church, you know, draws you to it and compels you and makes you proud. And I don't know what your answer would be, but here's, here's four of the answers I, I heard. Uh, at this last couple of gatherings I was at, my faith is deepened here and it's a place of hope. Uh, the third answer was, this is a church for thinking people and it's okay to have questions here. And number two, we welcome everyone, including those who other churches may not welcome. And then I'm proud of how resurrection is constantly serving the community and the world. Again, I share all of this not to puff you up. I don't want you to be you know, proud in that you know, arrogant way. I just want you to be excited about what God has done for you and through you in the last 32 years and to be even more excited about what's to come. It's very, very exciting to think about what God can do through us to bring hope and healing, light and life and to remember that the gates of hell cannot withstand the onslaught of Christ's church. Now in 2019, 
We spent a year with our leaders trying to understand what is God's will for our church for the decade from 2020 to 2030. So as we were looking at that, that'll be our fourth decade. So by the end of 2030, we will have, we will have been in ministry here for 40 years in the Kansas City area. What is it that God is calling us to do? And generally you put a, a strategic plan together for three years, you know, two years, three years. But we said, let's take a whole decade and ask, if we had 10 years to work on it, what could God do through us? And so we, we spent time surveying the entire congregation. We listened to people in, in, uh, in you know, listening groups. We, we, uh, we tried to learn from our leaders, you know, what is it that our people need? What is it that not only they need, but, but in what ways are they not quite where they need to be spiritually? How can we help them grow in their faith with Jesus Christ? We met with community leaders across the Kansas City area, civic leaders. And we said, help us understand what you see as needs, you know, huge gaps in Kansas City between the world as it is and the world as it's supposed to be. And so we listened carefully to these. We hired a consultant to help us go through this process. We, we listened and listened, we prayed and we prayed. And we began to map out, okay, what might these visions look like for 2030? You know, in addition to what we already are doing in our purpose statement and how we're trying to live that out and worship and study and all those other things. As we began to look at that, there were four gaps that we, that we saw. And I wanna to mention to you, we use this term gap and closing the gap. Many of you business people will appreciate this and understand it. And maybe you've heard me do this before, but Ron Heifetz at Harvard, uh, Harvard's uh, Kennedy School of Public Leadership, he, uh, he talks about the job of leaders. That is on the one hand to identify how the world is now, and then to identify what the world is supposed to look like and to close the gap between the world as it is and the world as, as it's supposed to be. The gap is that gap between what should be and what is and to close the gap. And so we began to use that term about closing the gap. We wanna look at Kansas City. We wanna look internally in our own spiritual lives. We wanna look at the church and outside of Kansas City in the world. And we wanna see how is the world and how would Jesus have it be? And if we are Jesus' church and we are his hands and his feet and his voice, let's go out and close the gap. Let's make it more like you know it's supposed to be, the world as he intended it to be. So we set four closing the gap goals. The first one was to close the spiritual gap in our own lives to recognize that none of us are yet the people God wants us to be. We're all on a journey. So how can we help people close the spiritual gap in their own lives? How can we draw people to Jesus and deepen their faith? The second was to close the generational gap. We recognize in churches, including our own, that we've grown older. When I started the church, when I was here with LaVonda, you know, to launch this thing, I was 25 and now I'm 58. And you know, the church has sort of aged along with me. We don't have as many younger people as we have older people in our congregation. And how can we be intentional about closing the gap that says we don't, you know, we're not quite reaching the younger people the way we could and should be. We're doing a pretty good job, but we can be doing a much better job. And, and then we talked about closing the justice and kindness gap. And so we see in the world around us that, uh, that the world doesn't roll on, you know, justice doesn't roll on like a river, as, uh, as Amos has said, uh, and righteousness like an ever flowing stream. Where is there injustice in our world? And where is there a lack of kindness? And what can we do as a church to address these things? And then finally, closing the opportunity gap. Uh, where there are people who don't have opportunities. In particular, we looked at poverty and children. And so these became the drivers for our 2030 vision. I wanna just unpack these briefly for you. We started these, we launched them in 2020. We announced them in 2019. We officially voted them uh, on them in 2020 as a congregation, thousands of people who were a part of that process. So what have we done since 2020 and what do we have let, uh, left to do uh, through 2030? Let's talk about closing the spiritual gap. So I'm gonna ask you, are you fully the person you think God wants you to be? And spiritually, are you growing? Are you maturing? Are you having a deepening faith? Do you have a, a, a clear understanding intellectually of the Bible, of theology, of, of you know, what it means to be a follower of Christ? Do you have a faith that speaks to the intellect? Do you have a faith that speaks to the heart? Do you have a personal walk with Christ in which you're daily experiencing his presence in your life? 
And then are you serving God? Are you rolling up your sleeves and serving God with your hands, right? So we're using the head, the heart, and the hands. And we recognize none of us are doing everything that we could be doing or living fully into what it means to be a Christian. So we began to say, how do we map out a very simple plan for all of us? If we practice these things, we know we're gonna grow in our faith. There's a lot more we could be doing, but these are some very simple things. We're gonna preach into it. We're gonna have a model that people can go along with and understand. And, and so today uh, you have access to this little card and this card you can download actually, you can print it. You can download it as a, as a wallpaper for your phone. If you go to core.org slash next, cor.org slash next. But here it is, the five essential practices of the Christian faith. So worship, and we challenge you to worship every weekend and to pray five times a day. So we have five practices, five fingers. We're gonna pray five times a day. You say, how can I pray five times a day? Well, you wake up in the morning and prayer can be as simple as two words, thank you. And at breakfast and at lunch and dinner and before you go to bed at night, and eventually you find yourself saying more than just thank you. And then eventually you find yourself praying more than five times a day and it changes you. But we study. And so we call you to be engaged in a study, you know, to be connected with other Christians online or in person, uh, but to be able to meet with other people to grow in faith. And it could be a short-term study or it could be a long-term study. But we want you to be involved in a small group or some way to grow deeper in your faith with other people online or in person, we'd love for you to do that. And, and that includes also just daily reading. And I suggest at least five verses from the Bible every day. You know how long it takes to read five verses? About one minute or two or three. And you reflect upon them. You pray, God, help me to hear what you want me to hear and, and, and to, you know, to live these words. And so to invite you to open up the Bible and read five verses a day. And then we hope you'll read more than that over time. Serve, we want you to serve with resurrection in your community. So we will help equip you. We, we will inspire and encourage you to go out and serve. If you worship with us online and you're a member online, then you might find other people to serve with, or you'll perhaps be serving mostly by yourself. But we want you to be engaged in serving in the community to help the community look more like the kingdom of God because we were here. This is a huge part of what Jesus asked us to do. And so we're gonna ask you to serve. And uh, we don't have a set number of times you do that. We just want you to, to be thinking, okay, I'm called to serve and where, where and when and how am I gonna serve? But I also want you to be thinking about what are five ways any given week that I can practice kindness towards someone else? And this is just so simple, these little things, but practice kindness or compassion or concern for other people. And a lot of times it's listening and sometimes it's smiling and sometimes it's buying somebody a meal and, and sometimes it's doing more than that. But you know, we can all practice kindness every day. It's what we were made for. And when we do that, we find we grow in our faith. The, the fourth is to give in proportion to your income. So you give to God through the church and that makes possible all the ministries we do together. But you also become generous in your daily life. Like generosity should just permeate you. It's instead of holding back and being as stingy as you can be because you're afraid you won't have enough, you begin looking at, okay, how can I give some of what I have to bless somebody else and not be afraid and just trust God and be able to be generous. And lastly, we ask you to, to share your faith to be able to talk about your faith or bear witness to your faith on social media or in other ways. This week, I saw one of my friends, uh, there's a group of guys who get together and play poker. And I saw, he sent a note out and said, hey guys, anybody wanna go to the men's retreat from the church with me? And I thought, how cool is that? There's like 23 guys on this, you know, on this text stream. And he's inviting people to go. And it's gonna be a cool men's retreat with Pastor Scott and, and uh, one of our members who was a former NFL player, Kevin Lockett. And I'm like, how cool is that? But he's just invited all these guys who play poker with him to go to the men's retreat at Arrowhead Stadium and have a chance to grow deeper in their faith. I mean, it was a witness to his faith that I thought was really cool. And then we thought, think about some of these other things. So there's so many other ways in which you're, you know, you're growing in this area. But one thing I wanna encourage you to do is if you live in Kansas City near one of our locations, our worship attendance uh, in person is just 65% of what it was pre-COVID. Now our overall attendance has tripled, but there's a lot of folks who have yet to connect with people again. And if you can, if you have access to one of our locations, 
I wanna encourage you to do that. As we go into the season of Lent to say, you know what? I'm gonna be in church uh, in person for those six weeks. If you can, if you live near one of our locations, we wanna encourage you to do that. And everybody else to join us online or on TV, but really wanna invite you to consider making that a priority for Lent and beginning to, to you know, move in that direction of being back in person for worship where you can be with other people. And, and it's not just about what you're gonna get out of it. It's who needs you, who's gonna be sitting next to you, who just needs you to smile and to talk to them or care for them. I mean, this is what we do. By the way, uh, one of our members wrote me a note recently and said that uh, on candlelight Christmas Eve, she had been, uh, after the service, she'd taken her husband out to the car and uh, he, he needed help. There was a, I think they had a wheelchair. And, you know, she, there, somebody, one of our members, didn't even know her, walked out that night, you know, and stood there by the car and said, let me help you get into the car. No, 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 we're okay, we're okay. And she said, I was so grateful that they didn't leave and they helped me pack up the wheelchair. And it's like the church was being the church. They were being an Ebenezer, a stone of help in that moment. I mean, that's the kind of things where that person showed up that day and helped, that, you know, helped somebody else. They were needed in that moment. Anyway, that's, that's about coming together. Uh, then we have the closing of the generational gap. And I just wanna to mention to you that, that uh, our focus is again on investing in younger people. We invest in, in all of us older adults, but we're investing in younger people in ways that maybe we weren't doing so well uh, before. So right now we've relaunched our, our Emerging Leaders Program. This is a way that we pour into and invest in young leaders who will become our leaders, who are becoming our leaders now. Uh, I'm leaving in a week uh, to meet up, or I'm meeting up with, in a week with a group of 43 uh, young people, 25 to, to uh, 35, who are meeting me in the Holy Land to walk in the footsteps of Jesus together. And we're gonna spend a week just pouring into them and encouraging and mentoring them. And they've been a part of this program for about a year. I want you to know that we have several visions for 2030 in addition to raising up new young leaders. We're also looking at our teenagers and we're saying, you know, our youth ministry attendance has gone down across the country over the last 10 years, actually 20 years. Uh, so we said, we're gonna, we're gonna pour into our teenagers. We went out and we searched for the very best youth ministry staff across the country and, and brought them to join our existing youth ministry staff that were doing a great job. And our vision is by 2030 that we'll have over a thousand teenagers every single week involved in some form of our ministry here at Church of the Resurrection, some part of our student ministries. I'm excited about that. Currently we have about 450 active teenagers here, but we'll have a thousand active teenagers by the time we get to 2030. And I believe that will happen and those teenagers are gonna see their lives change. They're gonna invite other people to faith in Christ. We're looking at 2000 children that are gonna be actively involved in our children's programs. Right now we have 450 youth, and I don't know, I think maybe a thousand children that are involved in our youth, our children's programs across all of our locations. But we're gonna to look to see, okay, what more can we do in drawing these kids to faith in Christ and having them actively engaged and involved in the congregation. I wanna mention that we uh, said, one of the things we know is that we're gonna start new faith communities, new uh, locations of Church of the Resurrection. And the reason why we're gonna do that is every time we start a new one, we reach new people and we reach younger people. And so right as we were announcing these goals at the end of 2019, we launched our fifth location. We had four locations going into 2019. We launched our fifth location, Resurrection Overland Park. You can see some pictures of Res OP here. And it's been very exciting to watch all of the children and young people who've, who've become a part of this congregation. It was a church that had been there for uh, 60 years but they dwindled and dwindled and, and very few children. And now they've got you know, tons of kids and it's just been very exciting to see young adults there. Then in December of this last year, just a couple months ago, we launched our sixth, or our, yes, our sixth location, right, sixth location at Resurrection Brookside, what had been uh, Central United Methodist Church. And you can see the places packed out. And at, you know, in the fall, Central might've had maybe seven or eight children in church on a given weekend. And now they're running 60 to 70 children on a weekend. I mean, it's very exciting. And lots of young people who are drawn to the church. We have four more locations we would like to start uh, by the year 2030. And, and each one of those will be reaching uh, 
all ages of people, but they'll certainly be reaching a higher percentage of younger people than most churches do in the United States. So these are all things that we're working on right now. And I had a friend who doesn't go to church drive by the Brookside location the other day and, and said, man, it is so cool to see the lights on and the parking lot filled with people and to know something magic is happening there. My hope is that that friend ends up going to church at Resurrection Brookside in the future. And we've got geo groups. These are groups that are around the country, small groups that are meeting in different cities. And they meet together and they, they worship together using the video feed, you know, the online, or they gather for small groups after they worship when the, you know, with, the, with the online. I mean, we're looking at all kinds of ways that we're connecting with people to bring people to Christ, help them grow in their faith and to go out and serve God in the world. Our third goal or vision was to close the justice and kindness gap. And so little did we know. So we recognize we need a lot more kindness in the world. We are hyper-polarized. And so we need, we need more kindness. And we recognize there's injustice and what can we do to bring about justice in our communities? Little did we know what was gonna happen in the next couple of years after we announced these goals and approved them. Little did we know that two months later, COVID was gonna strike the US. And, and so we had an opportunity to live this immediately with 40,000 vaccinations that were delivered by our volunteers and by doctors and nurses right here at our Leewood location. It was amazing and what an impact that had. And then we began looking at, you know, uh, at, at nurses and doctors and, and hospital workers and how discouraged they were becoming in the midst of COVID. And so we began serving, you know, and I think it was something like 30,000 hospital workers. We provided meals. We went out and sang to them as they were going and making shift changes. We held up signs for them. We, we, we provided cups of coffee. We, we sent notes. I mean, everything we could do to try to shore them up. We even had a TV commercial that we prepared and played last year during the, the, uh, the championship game uh, the Chiefs run. Take a look. Kansas City cares about our families, our friends, our businesses, our community, and our teams. So when one of the most important teams in our city is struggling, we want to make sure they know that we stand beside them. To every healthcare worker caring for our community, we see you. We know how hard you are still working. We appreciate you. We care about you and we support you. Thank you. We invited people across Kansas City to be a part of that campaign to strengthen and encourage healthcare workers. But we did the same thing with teachers in multiple school districts around here. We did the same thing with police departments and fire departments to, to just try to, even pharmacies, just to try to come along and say, we care about you and we're praying for you and how can we bless you and looking for ways, you know, we did so much during that period of time as a way of fulfilling this vision of closing the kindness gap and we think about justice and all the things that have happened in the last couple of years when it came to justice and, and the polarizations in our community. And, and we pledged to launch a campaign every two years during the political season when people are so polarized to try to bring people back together again and be a bridge, you know, pulling Democrats and Republicans and liberals and conservatives together. And, and so you may remember the first one was when we had a campaign, it was right during the campaign season. We had our own campaign signs and buttons and t-shirts and, and, and we went and served the community in, you know, in acts of kindness. But uh, the first one was to love your neighbor. And you see pictures of this, you know, and, and what was happening with our kids and adults. And there were thousands of these signs showing up all over Kansas City but not just signs, people actually going out and, and being signs of kindness in the community. Uh, two years ago, we did the, uh, the second of those campaigns. Actually, this, this year, we did the second of those campaigns in the fall, the Be Just, Be Kind, Be Humble campaign. And, and it was fun to watch and see again, you know, people mobilizing and doing justice and kindness. And across the country, people adopted this and, and, uh, and the impact on our city and on people's lives was awesome. I wanted to see, here's some pictures, I think, of, of some of those with t-shirts on. And, and three of these slides are people who live across the country and some in other churches where they adopted the Be Just, Be Kind, Be Humble campaign. And one of those persons I wanted to tell you about is a little girl named Kayla. Take a look at this picture. And Kayla is eight years old and she lives in Houston. 
and her grandma and grandpa watch worship with us here at Resurrection and join us for worship at Resurrection. And they shared with her the B campaign and she decided she wanted to be a part of the B campaign. And Kayla decided she would write uh, letters thanking librarians. And this was one part of her B campaign. And so this was the letter that she wrote to one of her librarians that she was standing in front of the library in that last picture. Thank you so much. Keep up the wonderful job of being a librarian. And her grandma said, you know, it was just beautiful to watch and see the response of the librarians to have an eight-year-old child come in and say, thank you for what you do. This weekend, we're collecting food for our normal or our, you know, Super Bowl food drive. And, and you're the largest source of food in Kansas City for uh, outside of harvesters uh, in providing, you know, for people who are uh, food insecure. You created as a part of the Vision 2030, you created a food mobile. And that food mobile goes into food deserts where there are no food pantries, not adequate grocery stores. And you provide meat and dairy and, and uh, fruits and vegetables. And so far, you have served over 30,000 people with the food mobile in the year and a half since it was implemented. Very, very exciting. And there was so much more. We are right now collecting for Turkey and for Syria. And, uh, and you can go to our website. Uh, you can go to, to core.org slash next and you can click on the link to give and you can scroll down to the second item down there to be able to provide disaster relief. You already provided funds this week through Heart to Heart. And there's a whole lot more we're gonna do as we, you know, as we become generous and care and seek to do justice and kindness. I wanted to mention just a couple other things. There are 1,200 people a week who participate in our recovery groups in Kansas City. 1,200 people who are finding freedom and liberation from addictions through our recovery groups each week. And we go beyond that, our counseling ministry. You may not even know we have a full-time psychologist on staff and we have six counseling interns who are fulfilling their master's degrees by providing counseling here. Last year, they had 1,782 counseling appointments counseling sessions with people who needed that. Call up and try to find a counselor somewhere, somewhere today and you're gonna find it's gonna take a month just to get in. And we're backlogged as well. Our hope is to double the number of appointments or sessions that can happen every year by increasing the number of both doubling our therapy uh, staff, that's going from one to two, but going from six to 12 counseling interns here. I mean, very exciting. You're providing healing and hope. And then finally, closing the opportunity gap. And when we think about closing the opportunity gap, we're thinking about people who don't have the same opportunities everyone else has, and in particular, low-income children. We have partnerships with nine elementary schools and one high school in the Kansas City area already in the lowest income communities. But we said, you know, what we're hearing is the importance of having a pre-K, a quality pre-K education. And so we've already begun. We have partnerships with four preschools in Kansas City where we've expanded their capacity to be able to take in more children. We're providing resources for training teachers, for supporting them. And our hope is to have quite a few more of these in the years to come. But I want you to know already you've given over $600,000 to help that initiative take place in Kansas City to bring hope to families and kids to elevate them out of poverty by investing in their education from the time they're four years old. And the last thing I'll mention is in the next few years, we hope to add, an, add to that a medical, mobile medical clinic that can provide some basic services to children who live in these areas. Why are we doing that? Because Jesus says, anyone who welcomes a little child welcomes me. Okay, listen, this is where I end. We are one church in multiple locations. We are Christ church, just like every other church out there. Our aim is to do his will. We belong to him. Our aim is to continue the work that he did when he was living among us. We are committed, passionately committed to bringing people to faith in Jesus Christ and helping them grow in their faith. We're also passionately, passionately committed to reaching new generations and investing in the lives of children, youth, and adults. We're passionate about wanting to do justice and kindness and to walk humbly with God and to change our world so it looks like the kingdom. And we are passionate about closing the opportunity gap so everyone has an opportunity to live a life of dignity and to know that they are loved. 
I'm so proud of who you are as a church. And I want you to be excited about what it means to be the church and to be a part of this congregation. And I want you to redouble your efforts to say, I am a part of the church. I wanna be engaged and involved. If I can, I wanna come in person. And I know in this way that I'm gonna grow in my faith and I'm gonna live it out. I'm gonna be the person that God wants me to be. Listen, God has used you in amazing ways in the last 32 years. But God is not finished with you yet. There is so much more to come. Our best years are ahead of us as we continue to be Christ's church. Let's pray. Oh God, how grateful we are to you for this church and your church, not just resurrection, but all the churches that are seeking to faithfully follow you. Help us, oh God, to be more engaged. If we've, if we've drifted some, if we've become disengaged, help us to step up once more. Help us to remember what it means to be the church and your calling on our lives to be the church. And we pray that you would deepen our faith, help us to love you more and to faithfully serve you in this world. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for watching this week's sermon. We'd love for you to join us again for live worship online or in person. To learn more about Church of the Resurrection, please visit core.org. Have a great week and we'll see you next time.